Welcome to another episode of The Messy Truths. My name is Martin Tan. I'll be your host for this week's episode. Today, we're excited to have with us Michael Chia, the Executive Director of HealthServe. For those of you familiar with the migrant worker space, HealthServe needs no introduction. Started in 2006, they've been at the forefront of meeting migrant workers' needs by providing medical care, counselling, casework, social assistance and other support services. Michael, welcome to The Messy Truths. Thank you. Hello. Now, you started as a volunteer with HealthServe in 2010 and eventually you became the Executive Director in 2018. How, how has the journey been with you um, joining the migrant worker space and maybe just a background for, about yourself uh, for our listeners? Yeah, I always shared that I had the longest interview ever, you know, started from 2010 all the way. But uh, it's, it's been a wonderful journey, I think, uh, coming from, from volunteer to staff, it's, it's been a transition. So I started life as an engineer, and, but I've always been passionate about serving the marginalized, the poor. And when I heard about HealthServe, I thought, well, this, this is interesting, you know. I'll have a look. So I went to a clinic. I remember my very first session was just to serve water. And that oh, was wow. it. And uh, I kind of got hooked. And so I've been with them since. And yeah. And from serving water all the way, now running the organization, um, what made you change? What made, what made you take that step and say, you know what, I can do this full time. I can do something with it. I think it started with all the conversations that you have. Um, I was, you know, sitting down talking to one of the Chinese worker who was just sharing with me about his life, about how he had such big dreams and then how this was all just taken away from him um, just because of one accident. And, and that kind of made me realize that, you know, there's just so many things that just doesn't seem to be right. And I was wondering about whether I can do anything about it. Should I do something about it? Um, and that was how I actually started um, volunteering a little bit more and then just got to know them a little bit better. I think the journey of getting to know a worker and from just a transactional uh, you know, start to a relational one where we became more than just, you know, providing them a service. We keep, became friends. We are just, even up to today, we still communicate. Um, it brings so much joy. I mean, it, that's just something that you think in life, you have actually helped somebody else and you've, you've actually journeyed with somebody else and you've seen a change in somebody else. I think that's, that's just so fulfilling for me. And it just adds on, right? It adds yeah. on to the dimension of the work that you do, the passion. Mm. Um, and some of this catalytical uh, uh, moments mm -hmm. really does make us say, oh, wow, I, I, I think this can, I, I can do more. I, 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 can, mm. I can do more with it. Mm. Um, there are going to be listeners listening to the messy truths and mm. realizing that, or maybe they are at a crossroads, right? Mm -hmm. they, they are grown up groups and say that, you know what, do I want to do this full time? Mm -hmm. You know, or mm -hmm. they are working in the corporate world, much like yourself before, and you don't want to take a jump and take a leap of faith to join the nonprofit world. Um, was it difficult for you? How can you talk to us about the experience of your decision making process? It was not as easy as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, um, it really sounds sexy at at the point where you think that you know you it, it feels as though you're like 
doing something really great, you know. But there are a lot of things that you really need to consider as well. So I'm very thankful. I'm thankful for my wife, my family, who actually been supportive of this decision, because you do have to make changes in how you live your life, kind of thing. The decisions of like what you're gonna buy, that's true, uh, and all those things. It's it's a big change. Um, I remember my first year when I, I joined. I, I I joined the nonprofit back in 2016. I didn't join HealthServe first. Um, it was already a change. Um, and what happened was I, I wanted to go into, uh, to see what it was like, you know, to be able to help, to be able to contribute back to the society. And one of the biggest change was, um, you know, the, the lifestyle change kind of thing. However, you know, in, in just being present, the experience of just being uh, able to support a person or, or, or the community that you are helping, it will bring so much more joy just in the things that you do. Um, you, you're not chasing for numbers. You're not chasing for completion of projects. Yeah. You're changing to help lives, to change lives, to empower lives. And, and that kind of made me wake up in the morning and say, yeah, let's, let's get on with it. And when I joined HealthServe, it was really, um, you know, it's, it was really so different. I, I, I felt that it was at a crossroad where it was getting ready to become something else. You know, when, when HealthServe... Um, first started we were really small right we were just a small little clinic and when I volunteered I, I I love the people I love just being engaging the, it's just the a workers. wonderful community right exactly you know and and when I was working when I first started working in the clinic we, we, we had so many things so many things that we were going on that we realized that health surf was ready to become a bigger impact within Singapore especially in the medical care and, and I think, uh, yeah, I think we're very thankful mm. to be doing what we're doing today. No, you, you guys you guys set the bar, I think, not just in the migrant worker space, but I think in the nonprofit sector, mm. in terms of what one mm. organization, uh, when you have a committed group of community mm. uh, coming together across board, right? Mm. Uh, just, just across the spectrum of volunteers that you have, the staff that you have now, board members that you have now, um, and you just set the pace to say that, hey, you know, if you want to see, and I, I, I often use health service as an example when I talk to people, I said, oh, you know what? What can start as a, a, a simple passion of creating a clinic uh, for migrant workers can grow to become a healthcare uh, nonprofit for migrant workers. Mm -hmm. And if we do it diligently, mm -hmm. I think that's where we're going to go. Uh, one of the exciting things that you were, that we were talking about is this how you transited and how you have introduced a 24-hour migrant uh, crisis helpline in September. Mm. Um, now, what, what led to the decision? Well, um, <laughs> it, it, wasn't, it wasn't something which we wanted to do immediately. Um, at the peak of the pandemic, we actually helped uh, we had, um, you know, a counselling line where workers would just call us just to speak with a counsellor. Um, most of the time, we arrange for like a 45-minute session. The call will always take like two hours. 
<laughs> because there's just so much to talk about and there's just so much that they needed um, unloading. To get off their chest, yeah. As, exactly. And, and, um, and we realized that the need was so great. It, it was not an easy decision, actually, Martin. Just to let you know, we, we, we deliberated because we know 24-7 crisis helpline is not something you should just do. And it's no easy yeah, feat, yeah. yeah. You know, and the, the, just the thought of um, getting the, the right people, getting the volunteers on board, getting the systems in place. Um, but we decided to do it because the need was great. Um, during the pandemic or in 2020, the, the number of self-harm and suicide was high mm. amongst the workers. And we were wondering, is there anything that we can do better? Can we be an avenue of help? Can we be available? So that, that was why we decided to do it. Um, you know, since since starting the helpline, I think um, we, we've been receiving all kinds of calls. Uh, calls not just from the workers themselves. Sometimes the employers call oh, us, really? which is interesting. They'll call us and say, my, my, you know, something's wrong with my worker. I really need someone to talk to him. Can you please get someone to call oh, that's him? That's very nice to hear, actually. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and you just realize that um, having an avenue for them to just... Um, find help or resource I think that has this is I think it's been wonderful I yeah. think yeah and and it's great when people know that as an an outlet mm. an avenue um, since you started to now are there common things that people share um, are there common um, you know pain points or disappointments I, I can mm. imagine especially as time wore on mm. being stuck in a dormitory is tough not being able to communicate with your family is tough but mm. did you notice a specific trend um, of the needs of the migrant workers I think majority of the calls um, at the moment are very much COVID related be it worrying for the families back home mm. or you know about the current situation of whether, you know, can I, you know, what's going to happen to me? Can I actually go out? Um, there has been instances of calls that came in that require some, some level of um, um, counseling. But those are not as many as, as, uh, as COVID-related topics. Actually, but there is a big pool of uh, percentage that calls call in because of the worries of the families back home mm. and it's it's not only just the south asians we, we get people from malaysia from philippines they call us as well and and they were just like they're worried about the families back home so they just need someone to talk to just need to have some understanding about what are the possibilities what can they do and what should they do um and i think it's it's wonderful to be able to provide some level of um, assurance to them that, you know, um, we are always here for you. We may not have all the answers for you. Yeah. We promise we'll find it for you. Um, but, you know, to just allow them to know that that's, that's a help and we are here to listen whenever you need someone to talk to. So that's, that's where, what we hope to be. Wow. Yeah. And it, 
tell me a little bit about the scope and the volume currently. Like since September to now, um, what kind of volume are you getting on a like a daily, weekly basis kind of thing? And how many volunteers do you have running this whole thing? Yeah, so um, when we first started, our calls were relatively low. But, you know, from September to now, we're, I think we have more than over 1,200 calls already. Wow. Um, and the, the numbers are growing every day because more and more people are getting to be aware of this number. Yep. So we're receiving more calls. Um, we, we are supported by a, a team of just five staff members who run 24-7, Oh, wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, and they, they've, they've been the champion. Yeah. Uh, we are we we are looking for more volunteers actually, Martin. Mm. So you know we we need averagely about three hundred fifty to four hundred volunteers to just be sustainable. Yeah, we are currently around one hundred and fifty volunteers that actually uh, sign up and and deployed. When we say deployed, uh, what we mean is that we. We need to train the volunteers, you know, how to man a helpline because it's it's not the easiest thing to do, to be honest with you, right? Because you do have to attend to suicide questions and kind of thing. So we partner um, SOS, Samaritans of Singapore. They they help us conduct the training uh, alongside with our staff team who, who, um, and and we kind of train the volunteers. Um, So we do understand it's not, the easiest role to volunteer for but you know maybe one day we can get some of our volunteers on board here and they can share their experience yeah, that about, actually you know, that would be a really good idea yeah. and yeah I mean that the benefits of just listening to be able to share about what they hear what they see and the, the impact they can create mm. just by being present yeah. so five staff about 140 volunteers currently we're talking about Almost a thousand, two to thousand four hundred calls since September, twenty four seven, three hundred sixty five days. That's a that's a really an incredible thing that you guys are doing. Now, um, there are folks who listen in who may really want to volunteer. So, take us through what would a volunteer do? How would a volunteer journey be like? So, they give you an email, they call you, and mm-hmm. they come down as a whole batch of them. Um, what what would a volunteer journey for someone uh, at Health look like? Okay, so all you need to do is just email us at volunteer at healthserve.org.sg and our team members will just get back to you immediately. Um, after that, once you know we've um, had a conversation, we will actually get the training done for you, uh, especially if you want to serve in terms of the helpline. Um, we will arrange for a session, the session that you, you are available on, and then after the training session, um, we will actually roster you in. So after the roster, you you um, you you will always um, be assured that there will be a staff member that will be present during your volunteering hours. So I think you are not going to be alone, and that's important for every mm-hmm. volunteer to know. Um, likewise, if you, if you if you wish to volunteer on every other aspect, you know, health of do have a lot of other avenues as well. I mean, we have a medical clinic, we have a dental clinic. We do have counselling as well as, you know, our social services that we provide. Um, similarly, just write to us and we'll be able to, re- you know, get back to you. Typically, how, how much time do a volunteer uh, spend with HealthServe? Mm. It really depends. So, um, say example, a, a helpliner, 
a volunteer helpliner can typically spend four hours a month with us. Those really gung-ho ones they've been with, you know, they take... <laughs> I think there was one person who took one session every week. So it's it's quite frequent. Wow. Um, yeah, so, but generally once a month. Um, and we will try to, you know, because it's a 24-7, right? Um, we'll try to accommodate the time that you can do so. The peak hours for the calls that we receive, initially we thought was going to be like, you know, 2 a.m. to 4 a.m., but we were quite wrong. The, the peak of the calls generate from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Those are the calls that has most critical need. And then following that actually is from is during the daytime actually we receive quite significant number of calls from nine AM to maybe four PM. Yeah. It was surprising to us as well. Mm. But uh that that we have taken the trend and we realized that that's where I think you know we need quite the most volunteers to support. Yeah. But we do um you know, we do encourage anyone and everyone to just join us whenever they can. Yeah. And it's really all about the ability of the volunteers' time, right? Mm. Some people can do once a week. Some people can do uh, once a day. Um, <laughs> I, I I had the privilege of uh, visiting SOS at their premise right. um, and see just how the volunteers take up calls there as well. Mm. Um, and for them, they found it really meaningful. Mm. Um, it's not easy, mm-hmm. especially if you are dealing with suicide cases, if rather emotional um, and which is why training is much needed. And I'm, mm. I'm really glad to hear uh, that SOS is doing the training for you guys Yeah, uh, because that helps the volunteers be able to manage. Yeah. Um, has it been tough? Has it been tough recruiting volunteers? It has been tough, yes. Um, few reasons. One, I think, you know, um, we are so new in this space. Not many people really, many people are very passionate to help migrant workers, but not many f- feel that they are able to. Um, I would just encourage everyone to just come and give it a try. You know, they are really no different than you and I. No, it's true. Yeah, so um, just being available and listening, I think it's more important for them. I think, uh, yeah, so I I would really encourage anyone who is keen, um, yeah, to just look us up. Cool. Mm. Now, is language an issue? Um, Yes, sometimes. So, you know, you, you need to learn to speak a little bit broken English. I know, like, uh, uh, brother, this one cannot, that one cannot. No, this kind, uh, you just relax a little bit, you'll be fine. <laughs> so it's it's kind of um, speaking a little bit slower and speaking, you know, in, in just ways that you know they will understand. And likewise, they will try their very best. You know, that's the beauty about this. They try their very best to speak and engage with you all the time. And I, I count that as a privilege because mm. they, they really want to engage with Singaporeans, you know, and, and uh, they make a lot of effort just trying to just communicate with you, yeah. you know. Yeah. And it's lovely when you when you see that happening. Mm. Um, it, it, I guess it takes effort on both sides, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now, we've talked about volunteers. How about staff? Mm. We have five, you have five in the team doing this full-time. Uh, again, 365 days, <laughs> seven days a week. Um how has it been for them? I think um, they've been awesome. You know, um, I'm really, really thankful for this this team. Um, it's not been easy because 
um, I think manpower-wise, you know, we have to rotate each other for for you know because it's it's by shift. So the moment one of them actually, and this really happened, one of them were hospitalized for several days. Um, you know, the team just need to double up. Um, sometimes people like uh, um, the head of department actually steps in. Um, other times, you know, um, team members from other departments will come and support. So it's it's been that way for us. We've um, the beauty of health service that I think the team members are always very willing to just come and provide each other support, and that's that's the beauty of this. Um, we are very lean. We, we we are just we are twenty seven staff. Um, you know, we we don't really have. But so we are very dependent on on the community, mm. the volunteers to really help us come alongside. Yeah, and a, a really committed staff team that watch out for each other, mm. have each other's back. Right. Yeah, that's right. What What do you think make health serve tick? Like, what is the secret sauce? What's the secret ingredient um, for health serve that not only attracts, I think, very committed and very loyal uh, staff. Mm. Uh, as part of team members, but also a very committed group of volunteers. Uh, many of them who first started as a volunteer became staff. Mm. Uh, a couple I know started as volunteers, <laughs> became board members, <laughs> and then became chairman. So it's a uh, it's it's we you know mm. when you when you look from the outside, mm. you know if you don't know too much about it, you you see some of these trends happening. Mm. Those are recipes for a really good organization. Mm. So. What do you think is the secret sauce uh, for HealthServe? I think everyone's just very passionate um, for the cause. And, you know, we are very willing to just be available for one another. And I think from, from a team member's perspective, we, we just want to make sure that we succeed, not just individually, but as as a community, um, that's why we, we, you know, we don't really want to draw too much boundaries between like you're a staff, I'm a volunteer, you can kind of thing. I, I mean, I remembered when I was a volunteer, I, I did a lot of things that was more like a staff than I was a volunteer. <laughs> so, um, and that that kind of allowed you know the community within HealthServe to thrive. Um, second one is I think we are always. Um, we believe in relationships and because in building relationships, that's where we kind of able to carry one another. And, you know, we believe in bringing dignity to workers. We believe that for our team members as well, you know, as, as, as a person, you know, you are respected, you are, you know, cherished. Um, and and we, we bring that to everyone. It's not just for the beneficiaries, it's for communities with our volunteers, our board members and everyone alike. Yeah. And that, that's the beauty of a value system, right? Mm. A, a value system of organization needs to transcend from all the way from the board leadership down to the staff, to the founder, to the volunteers and mm. so on. Um, if I were to ask you to describe health service core values, mm. what would they be? Wow. You know, we just had this. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we, we always had values and all those things but one of the things that we went and as a staff team we say what are the values that matters to us you know what we came up with i know it's a little bit it's i heart okay um so i heart is it's it 
it kind of resonates very much with us because if you've seen our logo, it's a hand reaching out yep. for a heart, right? Uh, it was drawn by a migrant worker. And, and when we asked him why you drew this, he said, it's because you are reaching for my heart, right? So that was how it started. Very nice. And under iHeart, it, uh, it's really integrity. Um, we want to prov- um, provide hope. Um, we want to empower. We, we want to remain agile. Uh, we want to res- remain respectful and we want to build trust. So that's, that's our values. And, and, and you see that actually within the health of staff team. And, and I, I pray that we see the same thing within the communities and the volunteers that come alongside, you know, kind of thing. And you would love for, for that value to be part of the community you serve as well. Mm. Because oh, those, are, those are wonderful, wonderful values. Yeah. Now, um, We've, we've talked we've talked a lot about how health have grown. We've mm. talked about you know the twenty four hour helpline and how volunteers are needed and are already coming in and, and just how committed the staff is. Um, the last two years have been challenging, uh, mm. but it has been challenging in a way that we could we in the at least in the nonprofit sector in the social sector can meaningfully do something and play our part. Moving ahead, what would be your aspiration for health well, you know, um, we were talking about it being something more um, impactful in a, in a sense that we don't want to just become an uh, organization that provides prescriptive care, but we want to be an organization that also look into preventive care. Mm. So example, like, you know, in terms of education, empowering the workers, in terms of just going out there to share with them, you know, about um, that you matter. <laughs> and, and what we hope to do is that we want to see a group of migrant workers themselves being raised up and empowered to really come and care for within their own community. Mm. We really want to rise up, you know, um, workers that will share the same values perhaps, um, that example, you know, we were talking about peer support leaders. There are something that we've been doing together with Ministry of Manpower. And the, the, the desire is this, that the workers will not just look internally and care for self, but they will look outside to look for a friend, to care for a friend, to care within the dorm residents, to look within their communities and kind of thing. Um, and that's, that's, that's what we hope to be. We hope to be a catalyst for others as well, to be able to rise up other migrant brothers, to be able to, I don't know, make an impact within their own community, yeah. you know, kind of thing. The ability for the community themselves to come together, be mm-hmm. there for each other and take up leadership roles mm-hmm. within the organization itself as Sometimes we call we call them we call the people we serve beneficiaries um, or clients, right? This is the mm-hmm. new term that that people are using. But they they themselves are also uh, people with promise, people with potential, people with a lot of talent oh, yeah. um, and a lot of leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can totally see when the community comes together, they they can have if enabled. Uh, and if given the platform, a, a wonderful part to play mm. uh, in the entire ecosystem. 
You've been listening to The Messy Truths. We had Michael Chia, Executive Director of HealthServe. This will be hopefully the first of two-part series. Uh, do listen to the next episode uh, as we talk to Michael about uh, HealthServe's view of what's happening in the micro worker space.